Today's episode of the BS Podcast brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor, the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. Right now it's November. you got college hoops, college football, NHL, NBA, NFL. You need SeatGeek. Drop your old ticket app for and use one that's built for 2016 and beyond. Do everything on your phone. Download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Today's episode also brought to you by Stamps.com. Stop relying on the post office. Just buy and print official U.S. postage. Use your own computer and printer. Stay away from the post office. It's holidays. Sign up for Stamps.com. Use promo code BS. Four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer. That includes postage and a digital scale. Go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in BS. And since Tate's here, check out the Ringer University podcast, Ringer U. Tate and Mark Titus breaking down college basketball, and it's good. Start listening now because, you know, you can get to March Madness and you'll actually have opinions on stuff. You won't just be reading the USA Today Monday section. Listen to this one, though. If you like college hoops at all or if you care about the upcoming NBA draft, I highly recommend this. Mark Titus, I knew he was going to be good at podcasts. It was a slow burn, and now he's good at podcasts. I was waiting. I I have a lot of Titus stuck. Anyway, check that out. Ringer U is the name of the podcast. And we're off. All right, at the end of every week, we have Mike Lombardi, my old friend from F. Now he's on FS1, he's on Fox on Sundays, and he's here all the time. And we've been doing this forever. And we're licking our wounds this week. Our Patriots didn't come through. Well, it's not your Patriots anymore, but you, you still kind of have <laughs> they a still are. vested interest. I have but no problem saying I'm rooting for them. We tried to tell everyone for, for six weeks that the front seven was not good. And the front seven was not good, and they can they single handedly rejuvenated Russell Wilson's season. Uh, what were you, what was your takeaway from that game? Well, I think that my takeaway is that they'll make they've made every quarterback look better than they are, whether it's Landry Jones or Russell Wilson. And I think Russell Wilson's a really good player, but that was his finest hour. Yeah, you know, and uh, the coverage was bad. There was, the rush was a little bit better, but more than more than anything. And you know, people talk about Jamie Collins, and they don't have somebody to cover. They play flat. They play with no emotion. They play yeah. like they're playing, going through it. And I think that that you can't play defense like that. You can't control the game uh, emotionally with your offense. And that's what the Patriots have always done. They try to control their game. And I think that defensively, the Super Bowl year was the best defense they've played in a while because they could actually get off the field. But forcing a punt is almost like an aberration now because it just never occurs. Malcolm. So, I was going to say Malcolm Butler is the only guy who's flying around on every play, yeah. and I don't know what, what's happened on that end. I do know this though: you're not winning the Super Bowl with a bad defense. I don't remember the last team that's done well. it. I yeah. mean, every game, every game you play, it, you're just worried. You know, they'll go play San Francisco this week, and you know, you know, San Francisco Kaepernick will look better than he is. Of course, Landry Jones looked better than he is. So. You know, the, the hard part for me is usually players in the last year of their contract always perform at a higher level. And you, you get scared to pay them because you think, is this really who they are? What are we doing? And the reality here is is the players not under contract are not playing well. And you would think they would. So I think that's going to take some – I think that they need to uh, refocus and try to simplify their, their ability of what they're doing. And then I think they've got to play a lot harder. If Belichick had to do it over again, would he have traded Chandler Jones? 
You know, in retrospect, looking back on it now, I would probably say no, because Chandler can at least rush the passer. And the, the players that have been added, you know, Trey Flowers has done a nice job. I, I didn't think any of us anticipated Jabal Shear did not play to the level that he played a year ago or yeah. has in his career. So, and then Chris Long has not really rushed as well as I think they'd hoped for or we all hoped for when we when we signed Chris. And part of that is, too, is how the Patriots rush, too. I think sometimes the players get a little bit of a bum rap here. The Patriots try to control the quarterback in the pocket, and usually he ends up getting out of the pocket. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And they have a hard time, and they don't really rush on edges. They kind of rush down the middle, which doesn't really help Chris Long very much. So it's really more of a it's, – it's a compound problem that's – that starts with how they rush, how they control. But look, they rushed two guys the other night. That was embarrassing. I mean, yeah, rushing that was bad. two guys, I've never seen that before in my career. And then they throw a touchdown pass when you rush two, or they complete a 20-yard out when they rush two. I think this defense needs to reevaluate where they are philosophically, scheme-wise, and how they play in turn intensity. This is just not all about the players either, and I think Bill would be the first to admit that to you. Yeah, where are the blitzes? Where's like the, oh my well, God, you know, guys are coming people, from everywhere. People want to blitz, and I think blitzing is great, but the great coordinators in the NFL blitz, it's a tactical blitz. The blitz is to attack the protection of the offense. So when you blitz, you want the guy to get home. It's like trying to make the field goal to win the game. You don't want to attempt the field goal to win the game. You want to make the field goal to win the game. So you want to be in position to do that. Same thing with blitzes. You want the blitz to have a rusher come free. That's the goal. You attack the protections, and you can do that. Wade Phillips does a nice job with it. Jim Johnson, the old coordinator, was great at it. Seattle does it at times when they do blitz, not often. But I think you'll see coordinators that know how to attack the protections very well, and they get home. I think what's happened in New England a little bit is they've run these blitzes, those double A-gap mug blitzes that they've run, and I think people are used to it. Now there has to be a counterpoint to it. So... I did. I my daughter woke me up at four thirty this morning, and I've been up ever since. So I went down. I did a whole bunch of research. Not that I only. Not that I don't do research before every pod, but I really, I went to deep dark places because I had nothing else to do. It was like five thirty <laughs> in the morning. So I looked up all these different stats, and some of them seem to be sustainable, and other ones don't. Now, now here's a simple one: Tennessee's last six games, they've scored one hundred ninety-five points. Their offense, they I know you love rushing attempts as an indicator. They they've had they're one of only two teams that has three hundred rushes. The other one is Dallas. Is Tennessee for real? Do you believe in that offense? I think, I think Tennessee has a good team. I don't think they have a great team. And I think in a league filled with a lot of bad teams, Tennessee looks better than they are. But I think Tennessee has the ability to to go and play anybody because they can control the line of scrimmage. They can run the football effectively, and Mariota's a good young quarterback. I think he's got a chance to be somebody who can make a lot of plays, make throws. They're not skilled-wise. They're not great. I mean, I think that's the problem. But when you break this team down, they average 50 rushes and completions a game, which is really good. Right. Which is really good. And so they're able to control the pace of the game. They're able to control the game, and that's critical. That's critical. So, And their defense can rush the passer. I think Arakpo is playing really, really well, and that helps them. So – and they play the South. I mean, look, the, the, your Houston Texans are six and three in the South. <laughs> My Houston Texans, Tennessee has. Right now, they have thirty-seven plays of more than twenty-plus yards, which is third in the league. Unfortunately, they've given up thirty-eight plays of twenty-plus, which is fourth worst in the league. They're just the, the games. They're going to be high scoring. 
for the most part, as as long as the other team obliges. And they're in a lousy division. If I, I gun to my head, I, I would pick them to win that division because I don't think the Texans are winning this week. And Tennessee's going into Indy. They're only getting three points. If they take care of business against Indy this week, I think they are clearly the favorite in the AFC South. AFC South. What do you and think? I, and I thought this the same time only when they were playing Indy at home. I thought they were going to win the South. Right. And then Indy goes in there and beats them. And that just drove me crazy because Indy shouldn't be able to do that. Indy's not good enough. They should be able to run the ball effectively on Indy. They should be able to control the pace of the game on Indy. And they should be able to rush. I mean, Andrew Luck's been sacked 13 times, uh, 33 times. He's been hit more than any quarter, most more than any quarterback in the league. And I thought Tennessee would be able to control the pace of that game, and they failed. They turned the ball over. I think what Indianapolis has to – the way for Tennessee to win is they have to run the ball for more than 125 yards. Last time they played them, they didn't do that. They, they – they didn't make a big run. Their longest run in the game was 14 yards. They've got to find a way to control the pace and run the ball. Indianapolis can't. Indianapolis has enough weapons on offense. Even though Luck gets hit like crazy, they can make enough plays. And I think when you play them, if you control the pace and force them to play from behind and force that bad offensive line of Indy to have to pass protect, then I think you gain the advantage. To me, this is the statement game for Tennessee. If they want to win the South, they've got to win this game. So the Rams have scored 93 points in their last six games. And they are now switching quarterbacks, which they probably should have done a couple weeks ago unless Goff is a complete disaster. The Dolphins going in there. The Dolphins are only two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Rams. The Dolphins, their last four games, kind of sneaky. Nobody talking about them, but they beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. They beat the Bills at home. They beat the Jets at home. And then they went into San Diego last week and beat San Diego. Do you believe in the Dolphins yet? No, I don't, and, and I think the Dolphins' offensive line will have a tough time blocking this Rams' defensive line. I think they'll struggle to do that. They're not, they're not good enough, and especially now that Albert's not going to play left tackle, I think that becomes problematic. And look, they've done a good job the last four weeks. I think there's no doubt. I, I think Chris Forrester, their offensive line coach, has done a wonderful job of zone, zone blocking and really running the Mike Shanahan's run game. Yeah. And that's why they've been able to stay in these games. They've played better on defense. They haven't just gotten smothered in the running game like they did the first beginning of the season. But to me, it's still going to come down to Ryan Tannehill. And I agree. I heard you talk about it with Sal the other day. He made some incredible throws in that game against San Diego. But as soon as I endorsed Philip Rivers for the MVP <laughs> candidate in the, in the league, he throws five interceptions. So yeah. I feel really responsible for, for Philip Rivers having a horrible, horrible game. I'm not buying Miami because I think Miami, they, Pittsburgh, Ben got hurt. It was it was home. They stayed out in Los Angeles for the extra week. I worry about that. Okay, but right, I know I know you're conflicted about DVOA this year because of some of the results. But Miami is sixth in DVOA right now, and Philly is still first. And Philly kind of vindicated it with that Atlanta game last week, which I watched. And I thought they really kind of manhandled them. It made me wonder, you know, I know Atlanta's a finesse team, high scoring, but it really made me wonder if Atlanta is a team that could potentially swoon down the stretch as it gets colder. What do you think? If New Orleans could have kicked an extra point, I was going to say I think New Orleans is going to win the South. Yeah. I really think New Orleans is playing better on defense. I think New Orleans is not going to be great on defense. But where New Orleans has excelled, they've only allowed five conversions in the third of uh, third downs in the red zone this year. So their their red zone third down defense has been much better. 
And for a team that can score as many points as New Orleans, that's where it's going to come down to. Because if they can make you kick field goals and New Orleans is scoring touchdowns, they'll win the game. But Atlanta's problems, and I've said it all season, their guards are not good enough. Andy Levine, Chris Chester, when they play against a team with Fletcher Cox and Benny Logan, and the Eagles are a different team with Benny Logan playing in the defensive front. Benny Logan's a really good football player. So when those two defensive tackles are rushing inside against the bad Atlanta offensive line, it really affects Matt Ryan's ability to step up in the pocket. It affects his ability to drive the football down the field. That's where you get to the Falcons is inside pressure, and that's why the Eagles, to me, were easily the team that was going to beat Atlanta last week. I, now, I don't love Philadelphia on offense. I think their play calling is, I think, you know, really, to be honest with you, I think Doug Peterson has just taken the Kansas City playbook and stolen it with them. You know, yeah. he needs to put out a new album. I mean, he's just, he's, he's like a cover band. He's just playing a bunch of cover songs from other albums. You know, right. he needs to do something different. Okay. And uh, But I, I like Philly's defense. I don't love their offense. New Orleans is only two back from Atlanta, and they host Atlanta in Week 17. Just throwing it right. out there. I forgot to ask you one thing when we were talking about the Dolphins, because we had a lot of new coaches this year. You and I have not been uh, a fan of some of their works, including Doug Peterson's uh, Andy Reid cover band, Ben McAdoo with the Cheesecake Factory menu. I like. I think I like Adam Gase. I think he might be the winner of Best New Coach Award. Is there somebody else you like as Best New Coach, or is it Adam Gase? I, I don't think I think Gase has done a decent job. I think here's where Gase has really benefited from the fact that he's decided to take Ryan Tannehill out of the game. Essentially, I mean the running game has saved them. They've really run the ball effectively, and they've been able to control the game. And their defense hasn't played great, but it's gotten better. I think Vance Joseph has done a better job defensively. So yeah, I give Atlanta. Look, Miami could have gone in the tank and quit on them because they were some ugly losses. They should have lost to Cleveland at home. Yeah, and they didn't. You know, but I, I give them credit for that. I think they've done a better job there. And and from all the teams that I've watched offensively, you know, some of these guys are supposed to be, you know, McAdoo gets a job essentially because he's the coordinator and he's an offensive mind. They run the same plays over and over again. Peterson, he's a cover band. He's playing all the Rolling Stone hits in a, in a bar somewhere. And so I think that, you know, to me, at least I give Gase credit for originality and what they're doing. Okay. Lions. They've won five games this year by two points, two points, three points, three points, and then an overtime touchdown, six points, which was their biggest win, but the game went in overtime. They are somehow in pole position in the NFC North, and they play the Jaguars this week who are in a free fall. Is that, I just can't imagine Jim Caldwell and this Lions team in the playoffs, but somebody has to win the NFC North. Whoever wins the NFC North gets to be in the playoffs who, who? How do we stop this? Who stops them? I, I don't. I don't think there's a team that's going to stop them. I mean, here's the game they're playing this week. The, 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 they're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I think are 31st in the league in, in margin of victory. When they win games, they win it by two points. I think they're 32nd in the league. And then the 31st team in margin of victory is your Detroit Lions. Right. So this is two teams that are playing. And you you want to you want to say, well, Jacksonville should play better. You know, Jacksonville. When you really look at them, they. They play decent defense. They just can't turn the ball over. And, oh, by the way, their offense is a turnover machine. Yeah. So how do you ever stand behind them? And Bortles, to me, is at some point Jacksonville's going to get off the Bortles train. They're going to have to say to themselves, you know what? We probably should have picked Garoppolo. We definitely should have picked David Carr. We might have gotten, the, you know, besides Manziel, we might have gotten the worst quarterback in this draft. Yeah. And you have to have an honest conversation with yourself. Now, they won't do that, but... 
As for Detroit, I think Ebron's played really well. I think their offense is good. Now, they're going to get better on defense because I think some of their players, Slay's coming back. They might get Levy back at some point. And their two defensive linemen, Ansu and Nada, those both got, those should be back and healthy. So that's really going to help them. But, look, Jacksonville has the potential to beat them because I don't think Detroit's very good. Jacksonville's got to wonder. Look, they signed... Jared Odrick can pay him a ton of money. He gets one sack on the season. They sign uh, Malik Jackson. He's got one and a half sacks on the season. I mean, at some point when you pay that kind of money, you want more production. Speaking of quarterbacks who they might have to turn the page on, the Texans are in a different situation because they have a chance to make the playoffs. And Osweiler was terrible yet again last week. They barely won. Now they're in Mexico. They're playing the Raiders. If he stinks again, is this is this it? Is this his last stand? Would you would you go to Tom Savage? I I would, but I mean, look, I can't understand how the Brock Osweiler. This is one of the great stories of all time. I mean, he's going to have about four homes all over the country from all the money he's been guaranteed, and he's going to sit back and say, "Boy, I got him good." Yeah, you know, because I mean, look, he's just not a, he's not good at playing quarterback. He threw for ninety nine yards and they won the game. How is that possible? It's amazing. How is that possible? I just and I think Savage is the best quarterback on their roster. I think, to be honest, and on on undisputed today, I talked about. I think they should make a play for Tony Romo when he's available next year. Ooh. It'd be the ideal place for him. It would wow. be ideal for him because a lot of skilled players. Romo could come in. It's a good team with a good defense, and you could win the South. And it's not that far from Dallas. So, I, again, this is the hardest part of the NFL. You have to have the, you have to have an honest conversation. Jacksonville won't have one about Blake Bortles, and I doubt strongly that Houston will have one about Brock Osweiler. The Chiefs last five weeks beat the Raiders by 16, beat the Saints by six, killed the Colts and in Indy by 16. Uh, a crappy game against the Jaguars, but Nick Foles was involved. Came back, beat the Panthers by three in Carolina last week. Not bad. Not a bad five. Not a bad quintet of wins. Why don't no, we? No, I think that. Why don't we have them in I the think top win tier? The West. I think. I think they'll win the West. I, okay. I thought they'll win the West. And I think they could have a first-round bye. I do. I think this is a good team defensively. They're starting to play even better. Defensively, they've been good. They turned the ball over. But they're playing better on defense than they did early in the season, which was the case last year as well. I, 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 I like Oakland. I think Oakland will make it. And I think there's three teams from the West that are going to make it. I think Denver will make it only because Denver has somehow finds a way to win games that look like they have no business winning, but they do. But I think Kansas City's a tough out. Kansas City plays a kind of game – like it would be basketball, where they just they slow the game down, they run it, they convert third downs, they make enough plays to drive you crazy, and they turn the ball over. And if you're a turnover machine, like you know, if Tampa Bay goes in there and thinks they're going to just you know, and Jameis Winston's going to throw the ball over the lot, they're going to get in trouble. And that's why they win. They don't beat themselves, which is to me the best kind of teams. But my sleeper team, Bill, I don't know what your notes told you at 5 o'clock this morning. My sleeper team is and will will be is Baltimore Ravens. Okay. Well, that you realize that means you don't have Pittsburgh in the playoffs if that's your sleeper team. I don't. I don't. I don't. I think I think Pittsburgh's all defense is going to be the end of the, the, the death of them. And I think losing to Miami in Miami is going to be the death of Pittsburgh. Wow. You don't have Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Well, I, don't, I think three teams from the West are going to make it, and I think Baltimore's going to win the North. Pittsburgh's four and five right now. They're at Cleveland this week, right. so that's five and five. At right. Indy on a Thursday night. Can we give them six that one five. or no? All right, six and yep. five. Home for the Giants. Uh, they'll get that one. They'll beat. They'll beat the. They'll beat the Cheesecake Factory menu. Seven. Look, and, yeah, look, look. Let's face it. The Giants. And I said this on my podcast. The Giants 
are, are look at the numbers on the Giants. The Giants are, are, are almost like Bernie Madoff. I mean, it's a Ponzi scheme. There's no numbers that support what the Giants are doing. There's no numbers. They're bad in almost all these categories, and they turn the ball over way too much, and they're winning games. I mean, and, and I think when the weather turns cold, not I think, I know, when the weather turns cold, because eventually it's going to get cold in New York, you've got to run the football a little bit, and they can't do that. They are minus eight in turnovers, and they're six and three, which if that's really they everything you need numbers. to know. They're 30th in this category. They're 30th in that category. They're one of the worst first-down teams in football. They can't convert third downs. I mean, there's no numbers to support six wins. Well, there's can, no numbers to support them. They can pressure the QB a little bit. Beckham makes plays. Somehow they just figure out a way to make like five or six swing plays in a game, and they hang on. I don't. I don't. That I don't. Uh, I don't believe in that strategy long term. But I think that's why they're six and three. I don't think it lasts. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's going to fall apart. All right. So and, wait. And the, well, hold on though. So if they if Pittsburgh gets by the Giants, so you're saying if they sweep the next three, that's seven and five. Then they go at Buffalo at Cincy. Cincy's broken. I don't know if Cincy comes back. Then they're home for the last two: Baltimore, Cleveland. So there, there's a road to ten and six. They they could get. They could go six and one the last seven here. Possibly. Yeah, but they have to, you know, and Baltimore, I mean, look, Baltimore's got a rough road. They have to go. They play New England at home, and they have, obviously, Dallas this week. But Baltimore, they've got Dallas, then they got Cincinnati and Miami at home. They, they go to New England. They have Philly at home, and they go to Pittsburgh and Cincinnati on the road. That's but the tough. one thing about Baltimore that I, I like about Baltimore is their defense. They travel well, and the weather's going to play into a factor for them. Yeah. The weather will help them. I mean, you know, Cincinnati, cold weather. Andy Dalton's not going to throw the ball. They're not going to run the ball. Philly, they get a, all these cold weather games. When you can play good defense, you're benefited. And for the whole month of December, they're in cold weather games. Miami at home, New England at home, Pittsburgh, Philly, on the, uh, Philly, on the, uh, Philly at home. I mean, New England, they're on the road, and Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, those are all cold weather games. I, that's why I like them. Their, their kicker doesn't miss kicks. Yeah, he, he's he's never made, he hasn't missed a field goal. They're good in the kicking game. And they're really good on defense. Here's an interesting stat for you: they they only allow three point three yards a rush, and one of those rushes was an eighty five yard by uh, Crowell of the Browns in week two. You take that rush out of the out of the stats, teams average under three yards a carry running the football against them. I think they it's have the really, I think they have the worst offense by DVOA. It's really a bad offense to it's watch. Really but bad. they can make plays. They can make plays. Okay. They have they have ability to make plays. I mean, Dennis Pitta is the only guy the quarterback trusts on the team and he has zero touchdowns. It's I, a funny uh, team. I I think we should go head to head for for dinner and we'll go to the cheesecake factory and we'll take photos. And we'll, and we'll you mean we'll, we'll dress up Tate as Ben McAdoo in one of those Ben McAdoo outfits. The three of us will go. What I love about it, and I said this on my podcast, he's got postage notes on it. It's unbelievable. Like, what is it? Pick up Chinese on the way home? Like, what are those postage notes? He has three pages of plays. It's passwords. Like, who could have three pages of plays? It's passwords for his Microsoft Surface. The- <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I don't understand it. And you, you know what people don't get is he's running a generic offense. I know. He's in he's in he's in the eleven personnel ninety five percent of the time, which means he's not doing anything creative. So what does he need all those papers for? He's killed enough trees. Stop them. We got to get the environmentalists to come out and stop them. <laughs> we'll go to Cheesecake Factory if Pittsburgh wins the the AFC North. You pay, and if Baltimore wins, I pay. And Got we it. both and we both pay for Tate McAdoo. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So Oakland this week in Mexico, they're favored by five and a half. They're playing Brock Eisweiler, who threw for 99 yards last week. They're they're a borderline contender. Probably they are a contender, but it's I almost want to see them take care of business. Who the hell knows what's going on in Mexico? You've been dubious of them this season as a young team. Can they handle success? All that stuff. What happens in that game? I think the bye week, you got to wonder if they can handle that. Teams that have come off the bye haven't looked as sharp. I think the Patriots didn't look as sharp coming off the bye. I think it's been pretty much uh, consistent because you have to give the players four days off. And it's hard to get back into the groove again. It's like, yes, you get rested, but you're not as well-tuned for football. Um and, uh, you know, Houston's coming off their bye as well. So it'll be a, an interesting game. Look, if the Raiders play the way and the style and the manner of which they played the Broncos at home, I think they can beat anybody in the AFC. Okay. It's eliminate their defense, play little league baseball for defense, play 25, 26 minutes for their defense, control the pace of the game with their offense, run the ball effectively. I think that's the right formula. I think they found their formula when they played Denver. Now they have to keep it. And now that's not a sexy formula. It's not, but that's the one that's going to win for them. It's going to keep their defense off the field. It's going to be fascinating if they play the Patriots in a playoff game because I think they'll they'll have over 500 yards offense, but they'll also have 15 penalties. And it's really yeah, hard to beat Belichick if you're going to have 15 to 17 penalties. Which I just think that's who the Raiders are. They're gonna they're gonna be the ones that shoots themselves in the foot. And it feels like. It already has the makings of the classic Belichick Patriots game where you come out of it and you go, oh, my God, I can't believe we won that game. How, how did that happen? How did we do it? What kind of, They had 21 penalties. Like, I, you know, and you, I could just see it playing out that way. I'm afraid of the Raiders. Right. So. And, and, and I think the Raiders, the Raiders have, you know, they have that confidence of winning on the road, so going in there. But, right. again, weather is going to be a factor here. Their offensive line is big enough, but, you know, but – Brady well, against their defense will be pretty disruptive, and so they'll, you know, and then it's going to come down to look. And this is why I think it's so important. Whether third and one now is the most important play to get you in the playoffs, you have to convert thirds and one. It's really people don't understand. You know, you give up a third and one in the second quarter, and you're like, damn, you know, and and it comes back to haunt you. And teams that convert third and one, that's why Dallas to me is a huge threat. Not. Not only one of that's one of the reasons they are, they get all their third ones. They're they're sixteen for twenty on third ones, and they've only had to throw it three times. And when you can do that, you control the game. And playoff times, it's like baseball. It's about pitching in the playoffs. Well, it's about short yardage offense when you want to reach the playoffs. And teams that do it well always advance. Will you promise me something? If it's a Raiders Patriots playoff game, the week of, the week of that game on like a Wednesday, you're gonna come over to the office. And we're going to watch the snow game from start to finish on, and Facebook live it. And just with the cameras on you and me during the entire snow game. Uh, I don't God, think you know, I just want to get you on camera for when it's second and two. And all you need is a first down to win the game. And the next two plays that Gruden calls. I just want to get that on camera. I want to see what your uh, reaction Frank is. Mil- well, I mean, Frank Middleton went the wrong way on one of the plays, and Charlie Gardner went the wrong way. I mean, it was just, uh-oh. You want me to – that cost me a year of my son Mick's education at Fordham right there. That's one year of Fordham uh, right down the drain. That's reliving that memory is horrible. <laughs> we got, we're doing it. we got to do it. That's your worst oh, loss, right? That's Is that 
What was your? Did you have a worse uh, loss with the Patriots or that the Raiders? That's uh, your worst no, one. No, my worst. You know, the Cleveland losing to the fumble with Ernest Biner was oh. a hard loss. Although, you know, you know, only if only if you know that game was if Webster Slaughter clears out to the back corner of the end zone, then Jeremiah Castile's not there to make the tackle. But still, there would have been enough time for Elway to come back and score. So that was a very painful loss there. Uh, that was terrible. You know, they're all. The the loss to to, to the, the loss to the Patriots that game there is especially when I thought we won the game I actually got yelled at by the New England media uh, New England press staff because once we got the fumble I screamed yes and they uh, and, uh, and, and they, there'll be no cheering in the press yeah. box <laughs> that that was crazy I I still you know the, everyone mentions the tuck roll and nobody mentions the kick. Vinatieri made to send the game into overtime, which was yeah. or like nobody, nobody forty six yards. It threw a blizzard. Yeah. Nobody mentions that. Nobody mentions that it was the first game ever. It was the first night game playoff time ever. Okay, ever. And if we would have played it at one o'clock, there would have been no snow on the ground. Yeah. We would have got through the end. It did not snow until we got on the start snowing until we got on the bus from the hotel to the stadium. And then, of course, we got stuck there. We stayed. How do you like that? You just got beat, and you have to stay. You're at Logan Airport for the next six hours waiting for the to get clearance to take off. We didn't. It was brutal. It was do you brutal. know that I could have gone to that game and had tickets and decided not to go because of the blizzard? And it's probably my – it's in my top three biggest fan regrets of not going to something that I have. I just, yeah. I, I, you probably I, would have been. You would have been when we got off the when the game was over in the old stadium. You had to yeah. take a golf cart to the locker room, right? So all the Raider coaches, all of us, were in that golf cart, and all the people were just. You would have been one of those people throwing snowballs at us, yeah, just killing us with snowballs going down or, the hill. Or I would have been standing next to my buddy J Bug, going, "No, no, stop! You're going to hurt somebody." As he just whipped <laughs> snowballs at everybody. I mean, that was what a great way to send out one of the worst stadiums of all time. That really was, it really was really the one of the worst stadiums anyone has ever created. All right, Mike. Oh wait, last quick, quick, quick question: Cardinals at Vikings. That, can we write off the Vikings? I, I mean, Jake. When I don't Jake know how Long, got, no, Jake Long got hurt, and yeah. and, there, and we all knew Jake Long was going to get hurt. God rest, God bless him. But I mean, he just yeah. he just can't stay healthy. I, I, you cannot win with the tackle situations. They can't move the football effectively, and defensively, it wears down on them. And I, I just don't think Minnesota has enough juice. I don't think they have enough gas in the tank. I think Arizona still has enough juice. They can do it. Now they lost their left tackle too, and they're a problem. But when you lose your left tackle in foot, pro football. It's hard to keep winning. It always yeah. shows up because the protections become a problem. Yeah. Well, the Cards have a their defense statistically has been surprisingly sneaky good. So who knows with them? They might make a late run too. All right, Mike Lombardi. As always, a pleasure. We'll see you on Sunday. And what's the name of your yep. podcast? Make Me Smarter Football Podcast. All right. Tune in. All right. We'll talk to you next Thank week. You, Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, we're going to call Joe House for the Callaway Part 3, but first, we launched this podcast in October 2015. MeUndies sponsored the first one. They sent me a big box of comfortable underwear. I've been wearing them ever since. Every pair of MeUndies made from sustainably sourced Modal, a fabric that's three times softer than cotton. Once you try them on, you'll understand why MeUndies has the rep as the world's most comfortable underwear. Most comfortable. MeUndies has dozens of styles and limited edition prints to help you make a statement with your underwear, boxers, thongs. Trunks, bikinis, you name it. 
my favorite of the boxer briefs. You know what else I realized? They haven't mailed me any in a while. And I've I read I read very similar copy right here three weeks ago thinking, oh, they'll they'll feel bad, they'll mail me some meandies. Nope, they didn't mail me anything. Come on, meandies. I need more underwear. Shipping is free in the US and Canada. If you don't like your first pair of meandies, they're free for a limited time. Every BS podcast listener gets twenty percent off their first order. Just go to our special URL, meandies.com slash BS. Again, twenty percent off plus free shipping at meandies.com slash slash BS. And since we're here, let's talk about propercloth.com. Every guy knows that it's hard to find a dress shirt that fits. Maybe the collar's too tight, the sleeves are too long, the shirt's too loose. Well, I have some good news. Ordering a custom fit shirt has never been easier thanks to proper cloth. Create a custom size shirt in seconds by just answering 10 easy questions. No measuring required. Over 500 fabric styles to choose from. Everything from classic business to casual shirts. All high quality. Starting at just $85. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google and Yelp. It's the highest rated custom shirt maker on Google. Find out why GQ calls them their favorite online custom shirt maker. Go to their easy-to-use website. Make a custom profile. You can even order from your phone. They guarantee a perfect fit. Remakes are free. And the proper cloth team makes it super easy to do. So stop wearing shoes that don't fit. Look your best. Go to propercloth.com slash BS. And enter gift code BS to save $20 on your first shirt. You got that tape? Proper propercloth.com slash BS. Gift code BS. I might buy a Tate a shirt. Fill out a styling profile, Tate. All right, let's go to Joe House. Last week we went 3-0. We are now one under par in the Callaway Par 3 since we teamed up together. Every week he picks one, I pick one, then we do a joint pick. I'm excited. House, try to contain yourself. Don't shout too many stats at us. And leave, and leave a little room to talk about basketball. You go. Your first pick. We're going right into the picks. My pick this week, I know that this is going to sound like a broken record. I'm going against the dead skin. Oh, no. Why? <laughs> and everybody, I'm going to be accused of the uh, reverse jinx and all the rest of it. But I honestly am concerned about Green Bay. I think Green Bay is very dangerous at this moment. They're 4-5 and five, uh, coming off of a blowout loss. They, they still, that division is still very much up for grabs. Um History is against the Deadskins. They're one eight and one against the spread in this series. I went to the last time these two teams played. The Deadskins hung in there for a quarter and a half, and then Aaron Rodgers took over. So I still have the taste of that in my mouth. Uh, the power rankings suggest that Green Bay on a neutral field. Huh? <laughs> That's disgusting. The taste in your mouth. That yes. went to a well, dark place. In any event, yeah, it, it was a bad taste. Uh, on a neutral field, Green Bay would be a two and a half point favorite in this yeah. matchup. So Green Bay, so that suggests um, it's kind of a pick'em game. So Green Bay getting points feels like value. I'm taking Green Bay. So Sam Shields will not play in this game, and their D-backs have been killing them all year. Clay Matthews practiced this week. Unclear if he's going to play. And, and like Collinsworth said on my podcast this week about Sam, no Sam Shields, no Clay Matthews. They just can't get stops. So maybe if Matthews comes back... I don't know. I, I, I continue to think you underrate your uh, your Washington Native Americans. I just do. I, I think they're pretty solid. They're not they're Could not gonna be. win the Super Bowl, but they're competitive. They can throw the ball. You have who who's the receiver? The Sean Jackson's out this week, right? So you have no deep threat. 
Jamison Crowder and and uh, I mean that turns um, Jordan Reed into the deep threat. You get a Jordan Reed up the seam kind of play. Okay. Um, all right. For my pick, I I actually like this week. There's I, it could have gone a couple ways. I was looking at Titans plus three in Indy. I was even thinking about the Saints tonight in Carolina. I like that extra half point. I think that game's going to be close. Yeah. Yep. I like. The Arizona Cardinals in Minnesota laying one point. I think that by Sunday this line goes to three. Arizona has a good defense. Surprisingly good. Shockingly good. In DVOA, they're in the top five. Uh, David Johnson, they can run the ball with him. They need it. It's a, It's Every game basically is a must win for them. Minnesota needs it, but they don't really need it because it's probably going to take eight to nine wins to win that division. Minnesota's in a little bit of a, a swoon. To say the least, their last four games, they lost to the Eagles, eighteen to ten. They lost to the Bears, twenty to ten. And what we'll we'll remember is Jay Cutler's last great moment for Chicago. They lost to the Lions in overtime, and they lost to your Washington Native Americans last week, twenty six to twenty. They are not a good football team, and they cannot block, and their defense is still banged up. They cannot make big plays, and I just think Arizona is better, and I think they need it. What do you think? I don't have any reason to argue with you. Minnesota and Green Bay are so similar right now in terms of the swoon. And it's a little bit alarming that Detroit has the inside angle because I I know know that you and the Cousin Sal have a wonderful um, Detroit not making the playoffs thing. I hate to even bring it up to put any stink streak jinx on it. But uh, I understand exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it. I thought I was so impressed by Sam Bradford, ironically, last week because that um, Minnesota team has presents no reason for anybody to ever do anything to um, defend the run. Yeah, and I actually thought that Bradford, under those circumstances, um, was 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 decent. I like very much Arizona in this position as well, uh, and this is really just a, a vote of confidence for Arians. I think he's kind of straightened. Things are getting straightened out there well, among you know the Cardinals. What, you know what I think position they're in now? In San Francisco, the way they played them last week, they're kind of expecting it almost. It's just run the ball and play defense, and Carson Palmer is not the same guy he was last year by any stretch. So accept it. Just change who they you gotta are. you got to grind them out. These yeah. are grind them out. And I think that's what they're going to do. This feels like a 16-13 to 13 t- uh, type game for me. All right, so our third game, Lombardi poo-pooed it a tiny bit. It didn't scare me off. The Dolphins in L.A. to play the Rams. You and I are aligned on this one. This is our pick. We love the Dolphins, minus 2.5. I think the only reason this line is under 3 is because of the Dolphins and their offensive line versus this Rams defense, which can run the, you know, rush the passer and do some stuff. There's some fear of Tannehill. The thing is though, Miami, Miami has kind of quietly made big plays this season. They have, uh, you missed the story about how I got up at four 30 in the morning. Cause our daughter decided the, the hallway light wasn't on and came into our room to tell us. Uh, oh so gosh. I was up doing research Miami has four, has eight forty plus plays this season. Like they, they kind of the you know they the the new running back Joseph Ajay. Yeah, how many of those were Ajay runs? I don't know, but he makes plays. He moves the chains, he and does. Tannehill looked yeah, really good last week. And maybe Adam Gase is half decent, and maybe their defense isn't bad. I, I don't know what to make of Miami, but I know that the Rams are terrible, and I know that that those games have no atmosphere. 
and Miami likes playing on the road, and I think we're in good shape with this one. Well, here's the most underrated thing. I wish we could have bet on this before. You just went through a whole analysis of this Miami Rams game without once mentioning the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams this week. Right. I mean, that is the most compelling piece of, of information about this story. My main man, former Ram Eric Dickerson, gave Goff a D for his preseason performance uh, this, this, this season. I think that's generous. Felt very close to F to me. <laughs> Felt like a big fail. And his, his performance on Hard Knocks did not help matters any. Nah. I, would, I did not feel like I would be going to him for financial advice or for strategic advice or for really advice on anything having to do with um, anything important in life at this stage. Uh, I hope that the past 10 weeks of him sitting on the bench and watching Case Keenum, uh, you know, manage his way down the field has been helpful to him, but I have no confidence that's the case. I think it's, and, an, I think it's an insult to game managers to call Case Keenum a game manager. Well, he's a, he's a, a, a poor man. I mean, I don't even know what... what you know what he is? Uh, he's, he's the man who receives hikes from the center and either hands off or throws. He's not well, a game he's manager. Better than, he's superior to Fitzpatrick. He's not actively taking you know, causing them to lose games. Well, not not every week, but some weeks he has. Some weeks, yeah. He had that four-pick week. Yeah, um, I, I think anyway, we're in pretty I, good shape with this. Yeah, I like this one. The the, the um, power rankings have Miami on a neutral field as three points better. Um, what is the L.A. Coliseum if not a neutral field? This is exactly the right line, and I love Miami. Well, the word's already out that it's not fun to go to the games, so I'll be interested to see how, how quote-unquote filled it is this week. It's really hard to get yeah. in. It's really hard to get out. You can't get an Uber. Uh, you bake in the sun. Now, that, now it might not be hot this weekend, but if it's like 75 to 80, the word is out. Like, don't, do not bake like a fried egg in the Coliseum for three and a half hours. Tate, you haven't been to a Rams game, right? Yeah, I went to Panthers. Was it miserable? Uh, well, I was in the shade, thank God. Oh, yes, Tate yeah. was in the shade. People were sweating. People, People were sweating. sweating. They ran out of water, yeah, all that yelling stuff. Yelling at Lyft drivers. All right, so our three picks. You have the Packers plus two and a half in Washington. That's our first one. We have combined on the Dolphins, minus two and a half in L.A., and then the Cards, minus one in Minnesota. I like week 11. Historically, one of my favorite weeks to pick games. I feel like we have enough statistical evidence on most of these teams, and it gets a little less wonky, and there's been enough practice time, all that stuff. All right, very important, House. Cheeseburgers. We've been having oh. a big... <laughs> We've been having a big argument in the Ringer office about whether In-N-Out is good or not. I am. This is one of my all-time corners. I will die on this hill. I just don't think In-N-Out is very good. I'm sorry. I just don't. I don't get it. I came out here in 2002. Actually, it's my fourth. Yesterday was my 14-year anniversary of the day I came out to uh, Los Angeles to live here, and I was terrified. Uh, and now I've been here 14 years. So, the, one of the first things I did was I went to In-N-Out. The legend of In-N-Out. Oh my God, this is going to be amazing. It was all right. It was it was fine. I, I, I was so worried. I, I I thought when you said I'm prepared to die on this hill, I was going to have to proclaim and declare that you're dead because I thought you were going to go all the way up on uh, to the very top of In-N-Out Mountain and claim that In-N-Out was, I, was I good. Just it's not good. Not only is it not that good. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't understand when it, people get passionate about it. I don't understand. It's sentimental is what it is. 
It's sentimental. People it, wait. It, 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 they, it was a departure from an era of like truly uh, inauthentic fast food, like you know the, right. the the real heyday in our, in the late seventies, early eighties of of like essentially styrofoam food. In and out um, took a slightly different path, and the food is slightly more authentic. Than what we grew up with, the real, um, the fastest of fast foods. Um, but it's nowhere near. It's not even worth. It's, it's an insult to many, many fine burger-making institutions in this day and age to mention In and Out in, in any for any other reason than sentimentality. It, it's worse than that because you, you don't live here, and and uh, you know my daughter. She her team used to practice at Hollywood High, and there's an In and Out right next to Hollywood High on Orange. And to get there, you know, you'd have to go down the street that the In-N-Out was on. And the line would not only be all the way to the end of the drive-thru, but it would actually, like, lean out onto the street. And it was, like, this traffic quagmire. And I'm thinking, like, these people are waiting 20 minutes to get an In-N-Out cheeseburger. I don't understand. I wouldn't wait three minutes. Here, like, Shake Shack just, got, just came here on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Five now guys. you're talking. Now Five. we're talking about a cheeseburger, brother. Five Guys is on Wilshire. The Ringer staff went insane that I thought Five Guys was better than In and Out. It was like I committed it's heresy. I'm like, are you crazy? Better. Five Guys is Five better. Five Guys is better. It is better. Hey, I'll tell you another thing. I think Fat Burgers is better. I'd, I'd rather have a Fat, fat Burger. Burgers. I'd rather have a fat burger know. than an out burger. And not to mention original Tommy's, which I've never taken you to. I'll tell you this. Oh, how dare you? Yeah. Ten years you've been there. Thirteen years. No fat years. Tommy's in my life. Original, Fourteen years. Original Good. Tommy's Great. is better. Yeah, I want some of that. All right, I'm glad. I'm glad you agree with me on this because I, I thought I was crazy. And, and I it, there's some sort of cult of in and out burger. And I, unfortunately, and fortunately, I don't have to drive to the Hollywood high practice anymore and sit and watch the in and out people because... Uh, we're not allowed to practice on that field anymore because there's this crazy girls soccer inequity thing that happens in LA that I just don't understand that I might actually have to mobilize and start doing something about the boys get all the good fields, the preferential fields. They have 90% of the Academy status for teams. And it's like, you've been talking about this. It's it's insane to me. I I don't understand it. I I thought we, it's 2016. I thought, I thought men and women and boys and girls were supposed to be equal. And yet in soccer, not even close. It's like the 1950s. I'm trying to figure out what to do. This might be the. This might be another hill I die on. Equality for <laughs> soccer practice fields in California. I, I don't understand it. It's amazing. It's like oh, the boys are more important. Really, the boys are more important. Our our men's national team sucks. Our women's team is a hundred times better and more popular. People like it more. Why don't we care about girls soccer in America? I'm gonna. This is gonna be one of my passion. Pro- this is gonna be like when John McPhee started writing about rocks. This is gonna be, be like. Remember when Simmons like lost his mind about girls soccer and, that, and then it, he oh, yeah, just yeah, devoted yeah. his life to it. That's gonna it's be true me that in Abby two years. Wambach was one of the best, one of one of the very best guests on any given Wednesday. R.I.P. She was tremendous. I like her as as you know. They're on that corner with you. That's a pretty formidable team, Simmons and Wambach, doing the equity for girls soccer thing. I'm in. I'm. Uh, I support it. And and what's interesting is, it's not even just the youth soccer. Then you go to the, like the pros, and, and like the women had to play on turf for the World Cup, which they they 
they were like, we don't want to play on turf. They made them do it anyway. They couldn't mobilize. They couldn't put grass. It would cost a certain amount. They didn't care. The pro league, I, it makes a little more sense because at some point it's it's economic. Brian Curtis is here, by the way. He joined us. Hey. So, yeah, remember the Women's Pro Soccer League and Hope Solo took all those pictures of how terrible the field was? <laughs> right. And people were like, oh, that's terrible. On the other hand, it is a business. And if people don't want to pay to watch you play, then it's not like you can have the same facilities and travel as the men's teams. I kind of get that. What I don't understand is when it trickles down to the youth level and the boys get all the preferential treatment. <laughs> that's just crazy to me. You have a daughter. Yeah, I do. Do you want to live in a world where your daughter has inferior soccer fields? That's not a world I want to live in. No, <laughs> can't even contemplate that world. House doesn't care. House only has a son. He's like, hey, it's great for my kid. Yeah, as long as it's a burger place down the street, right? No, yeah. he doesn't play soccer, so I don't. I, I, I don't. House care. doesn't care about soccer in general. <laughs> this is where House yeah. and I fall apart as friends. Uh, do you do you have a, a take on In and Out Burger, Curtis? Yeah, so I was listening to that. Yeah, um, I do love Five Guys. I feel you can only kind of do it once per year because it just messes you up in a in a it sp- is. spectacular way. It's like going to Austin and eating barbecue or something where you're not the same for like twelve hours, right? And I wish I had a higher tone, but there's an Arby's right next to the Ringer HQ here in Los Angeles, and yeah. it's right before I get onto the freeway. When I'm contemplating mm. this giant drive, and it's like my drug oh. dealer, you know, you just you drive by that one corner. Oh my god! If he weren't, oh no, the drug dealer. It's like if the drug dealer sold cheese whiz and onion yeah. rolls, right? There's get I think, the meat. Yeah, I think there's Arby's gyro sauce all over my steering wheel oh. from last week. Right now, I'm just happy to admit that get on the, the air. Here. House and I, we drove to Vegas once, and there's a stop in Vegas, and it's basically the last place you can stop for. To, it's like about an hour and a half from uh, from L.A. toward Vegas. And there's this one stop. It's got a bunch of restaurants and gas stations. And then that's it. It's like you're just driving for the next two hours. <laughs> and we stopped at Arby's. I don't remember what year this was, House. And I think Jacko was with us. You didn't just... It eat. might have been the year of my bachelor party. Yeah. What was interesting was I was worried about you getting in trouble at like a gentleman's club or something. But it ended up you made love to the Arby's. <laughs> You made love to like 17 Arby's sandwiches. I've never seen him enjoy it more. And we just were driving for an hour as house just continued to eat Arby's. Arby's is delicious. That really is the new adultery yeah. for us married men. I always tell my <laughs> wife, I'm not going to wake up with anything in my bed when I'm on the road except a pizza box. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the moment. That's that's where I've cheated. Right. Cheating with bad food. Yeah. Well, house is a serial adulterer with bad food. I really, I, I, I've been, it's been a long time too. 20 years, 25 years. I'm an addict. There's there's now a bad food comeback. Yes, it's been there's glamorized. Been, yeah, there's been a there's been a backlash against eating healthy, and now you're seeing like Twinkies. They're, they've like redone Twinkies, the deep fried Twinkies. Yeah, they've they every the pizzas. Everybody's going in at ballparks, right? The yeah. biggest thing to sell is like that terrible state fair food. Yeah, and now it's at ballparks, right? You get the three foot long hot dog, and you parade it around. Look at me, right? I did it. Would you, did you think the in. Dodger dog was underrated, overrated, or properly rated? I haven't had it long enough to, to remember. Underrated. It's kind of underrated. Is it? Yeah, it's pretty good. i got to rediscover it. It's yeah, good. I expressed lust. Uh, my uh, <laughs> golf podcast, Shackle's podcast yeah. partner, Jeff Shackleford, big Dodgers fan, was tweeting at me while he was at the Nats. Dodgers playoff series with the and Dodger I was dogs. Saying to him, I, yeah, the Dodger dog. God, I, I, I wanted a Dodger dog. I well, was rooting for the Nets, but I really wanted a Dodger dog. Well, friend of the BS podcast, David Chang, one of his passions is to have good stadium food. And he has this MSG 
what is it chicken i think he has at msg like a chicken or something and it's apparently outstanding it's like at staples center they just won't commit to just better food and service it's terrible it's, it's just mystifying to me it's like a bad airport you walk in it's like oh mcdonald's is here why do i want mcdonald's at the <laughs> right. stadium you know like, pretzels yeah and they have like one chicken place and they have like one kind of healthy place that has salad and for some reason sushi and all the workers go super slow so like it's halftime you have 15 minutes and it's taking they're taking five minutes to get a coke <laughs> and it's yeah. it's there are, it should be fantastic there are, there are many, many, many bad things that one can say about the Washington professional basketball team here, but mm. uh, I will say that the team is collaborating with local hero chef uh, Jose Andres on some uh, exquisite and innovative Andres-type cuisine, and you can get Chick-fil-A on the concourse. At, at oh, the Chick-fil-A beginning. on the concourse that's, is huge. <laughs> that's actually much more yeah. important. Yeah, that's big. Right. That, that would collaboration. Yeah. change the Staples Center. We were talking about... Uh, we were to meet in the office yesterday talking about the death of the soft pretzel. Ooh. When I started going to Clipper games, there was a Wetzel's pretzel stand. <laughs> and it was always 30, 30, 35 people deep at halftime every game. And now it's like you just walk right up and get one. Really? Get the pretzels with the sugar on it. Yeah, because it's like that's – there's this whole – all these gluten things that everybody is now – they have like the scarlet letter on them. And I think soft pretzels is right, right up there. And they haven't had their moment. Right. Yeah. Cheeseburgers have had their moment. Meatballs have had the comeback. Right. Barbecue. Yeah. But the but pretzels never really been reinvented. I don't know how you reinvented it. It's just <laughs> dough with some, some well, stale salt on it. Well, look, I, I have to go and I have a very quick aside to Brian Curtis. I still just hate the, the Dallas Cowboys. I can't, I, I can't hate them anymore. It's in my DNA. I mean, this Thanksgiving game, I'm going to eat so much that I'm ambivalent about the outcome, but God damn, the Cowboys are good. I hate that. It really hurts my heart. Um, speaking of reinventing, I have a very quick observation to make about reinventing your golf wedges. Tour level wedge customization, Callaway Customs uh, at CallawayGolf.com. Have them shipped for free using promo code HOUSE. Nice. And on that note, House out. Wait, hold on, House. One more thing. I'm here. I'm here. We're doing the Callaway Par 3 on Monday next week, and we're picking the three Thanksgiving games. Oh, spectacular. So I'm going to have wait. the cuz on Monday, and then we're going to call you the last 15 minutes, and we're doing those three games. So start thinking about them now. Oh, me, you, and the cuz together? Yeah. We're doing all I'll try them. and keep my hands out of my pants. Okay. <laughs> Joe House, thanks as always. All right, fellas. See it. All right. Uh, we're going to talk to Curtis about the Cowboys, but before we do that, I started using Lyft after they made a deal with LAX. Just download the app. You can get a ride in minutes 24-7 for less than the cost of a cab. Every Lyft driver fully vetted through their 10-point safety standard, including criminal and DMV background checks. They're rated after every ride, only the best stick around. With Lyft, you can tip in the app, which obviously leads to happier and better drivers. Nine out of ten Lyft rides get a perfect five-star rating from the passenger. It's also the highest-rated ride-sharing app, and it's your buddy if the car's in the shop or if you're my wife and you ran over a pothole. People are actually getting rid of their cars and relying on Lyft to get around. And you know what? I don't blame them. Right now, Lyft is offering our listeners a special deal. Get three free rides, up to $10 each. That's a $30 value, up to, when you enter promo code Bill Simmons. That happens to be my name. Again, up to a $30 value. Download the free Lyft app today. Promo code Bill Simmons in the payment section. Three free rides for up to $10 each. What do you have to lose? All right, Brian Curtis, editor at large at The Ringer. 
Did a lot of political duty for us the last month or so. Whew. Was writing on deadlines. You loved it. It's amazing. I felt like uh, Jack Germond, you yeah. know, where I was just getting, I got to write another column. Got to get, get build some more political co- some more political news, you know? Put on a fedora, head down to the pub, <laughs> have a drink, come That's back, right. write it. Get drunk with JFK on the airplane and help him <laughs> into his car. It was, I mean, it's a once in a lifetime kind of three months of content for everybody. It really was. I don't even, I, I, I'm still kind of recovering. And I think our office is recovering. And and it's it's important to know that we didn't expect this. In fact, no. I wrote a memo to the ringer, which I'll save forever, saying how boring this election was going to be because it was yeah. going to be Hillary versus Jeb or Hillary versus Rubio. And it'd be like 2000 pre-recount. We'd all slog to the end and feel so bored. Well, that didn't happen. It totally changed kind of what our vision for year one was of the site. It was supposed to be sports and pop culture and tech and like a whiff of politics. And in the in those last four weeks coming up, it's like, how do you write about anything else? Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't even know if we had enough politics. By early summer, it was kind of like, I think I think Trump's the story. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the Chicago Cubs are the story. I think Trump's the story. It's a man, the poor Cubs. Yeah. They finally had their moment. They, it was irrelevant in like three days. They were erased. Unbelievable. And now the Cowboys are having their moment. Oh, my God. Perfectly situated. We should mention you're from Texas. I am. Where'd you grow up? Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Dallas Cowboy Country. 15 minutes from uh, the current Cowboy Stadium. We're going to have you on the podcast at another time to talk about how dumb it is that the Rangers want to build another stadium. Did that get voted down yet? It, it, It passed. I got bad news for you. It passed? Yes. Oh, my God. It's amazing. When did you build the last one? 94. This is the dumbest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> How do owners get away with this? It's just, it's unbelievable. I was just, I had just gotten used to the new one because I grew up in the in the first one, Arlington right. Stadium. And it, it had just kind of gotten lived into me. Yeah. And now it's going to be gone. Wait, what? I, And it was like one of, it was on the forefront of the new state-of-the-art baseball stadiums. It was a, a son of Camden Yards. It was a son of Camden Yards. Yeah. With a lot of fake history because it was in Arlington, Texas. Right, right, right. I remember they had a sign that said, hit it here and win a free suit. It's like, I don't remember what's having haberdashers in uh, Arlington when I grew up. <laughs> I think that was part of the fake scene. Fake history. Right next to Six Flags. Yeah. All I remember about the Red Sox playing Texas when I was a kid was just the announcers just talking about how hot it was. Because somehow we would always play there in July and August. And be like, it's hot one today. It's 118 degrees. Right. And this was the cell for this new dome stadium, right? It's like, yeah. oh, it's it's blistering heat during the summer. And it's like, yes, you live in Texas, by right. the way. <laughs> what were you expecting? you noticed, yeah. So that was the cell. It was just like, we roof, air conditioning. It's too hot. Now more people will be able to come to games. And it is really hot. It is hot. And those day games, like opening day, even in April. Yeah. Oh, it, there were some, some scorchers. Yeah. But it's, so I could see it, but why not have the dome in 1994? So I guess we should blame those people. 1972. He moved to Arlington, right? I mean, right. Didn't George Bush own the team? He did. He did. That's how. So he... we can add this to the list for George Bush for getting to build, put a dome yeah. on the 94 baseball this is, stadium. This is like number 101 on the George Bush. Oh my downside <laughs> list. Number one. Yeah. yeah. Didn't build a dome didn't when crack, he had a chance. Didn't quite crack the top 80. No. So when is this dome thing getting built? I don't know. Next couple of years, I got a couple of years to say goodbye. I can't wait to go say goodbye. This is not. This is not a goodbye I was expecting to say. Right? We were yeah. all talking about Tony Romo goodbye. I think we're in. I didn't think, think it was going to be what, ballpark I, goodbye. I wonder if part of it is that the Dallas Cowboys Stadium is so cool, and the Mavericks have their little state of the art NBA arena for them. It's almost state of the art. Mostly, I'm sure Cuban will blow it up and build another one soon. But yeah, 
And then you have this baseball stadium that's kind of the ugly brother. And it's literally across the parking lot from the Cowboy Stadium. Yeah. So you see it and you say, oh, that red brick looks really cool. Yeah. But then your eyes just go go to the big thing, right? Yeah, yeah. "Ah, Never mind. Let's let's look at the Cowboy Stadium. Hmm. So the Cowboys. Wow. Are you all in now? I'm all in. You've been writing about them for the ringer. Every every Sunday you kind of fall into it. You know, I do. I'm not going to do it this week, and then something happens. You got to do it again. <laughs> How can I not? How can you not? I'm not right about that Steelers game. It was amazing. Didn't that it was f- a great game? Didn't that feel like like something out of the time machine from the '70s? It's great. Just the, and, and not just the fact that it was Cowboy Steelers, but the fact that the, just the quality of light, like the darkness seeping into the field. They were using a little old NFL Films music on Fox as their outros and stuff like that. And I felt like I was like. This just feels like from a different time. The uniforms. Also, the NFL's back, right? It just felt like the election's over and now, oh, a big NFL game that everybody's going to watch. Yeah. Three touchdowns the last two It was a whole day minutes. of it. It was amazing. Elliot is fantastic to watch. Prescott's been really fun. I mean, I, it's fun to watch a really poised rookie QB. The Romo storyline's amazing. Ugh. The Jones luxury box shots. Dez has been relatively quiet. Yeah, for him. You know he'll be heard from. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh... And they're clearly the best team in the NFC East. I don't see where this gets derailed unless uh, poor... Thanks for the jinx, Well, unless uh, poor Prescott, unless Romo jinxed him with that press conference, or if the Elliott thing becomes a thing, this this story. Prescott will have a bad game, right? He's got him. I mean, I'm just waiting. Every Ricky QB has. And I just, every week, I circle the next week. Yeah. So, okay, Steelers not in work. So now Ravens, hmm, on the road, coming off a big win, right? team that's not great but that's very dangerous Brady it happened to Brady I can't remember what week it was and it was somewhere between his fourth and eighth start he just stunk and I think he had like three or four picks and he was just he just stunk and that was it but it was the one time when he just didn't have it right and it's gonna happen it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and and Elliot's gonna have the two fumble game you know where he has a nice little you know 85 95 yard day and fumbles twice and I don't know nobody touches him ever I don't he'd have to he'd have to (laughs) drop hit his knee on the ball or something (laughs) he's like Emmett too he really reminds me of Emmett yeah I'm I'm wary of any comparisons to the 90s Cowboys because that was just a different thing yeah but the way he doesn't seem to be all of a sudden it's a one yard game that turns into a six yard game yeah and that sort of run to daylight at the end of the Steelers game Emmett did that a billion times where he just didn't seem to be he was just gone yeah you know it wasn't like a Barry Sanders move back he just hit the hole and he was just he was he was it was and he always got four yards yeah and then also the way he's like young Emmett he sees the safety and he lowers his head it's like I want the safety right I'm taking this guy uh, yeah out. yeah <laughs> old Emmett was just like yeah sideline see you later right preserve the body but yeah, Elliot went for it Elliot's still in that I'm gonna play a million years mode which is really exciting it's so adorable and cute it is. It's terrible. It's it kind of sad when they finally realize, like, oh, this is stupid. Right. When we meet 50-year-old Zeke Elliott and we kind of go, oh, God. You know what the basketball equivalent is? Is the guy in the layup line who's doing, like, crazy dunks. Like, the first three years of Blake Griffin, he's <laughs> doing a slam dunk contest. And then by year five, they're like... Oh, yeah, but I only have so many dunks in my knees, and then it's over. They start looking around at, like, old Kevin Garnett and people like that. <laughs> Why was I wasting them on the layup line? Yeah, what, what am I doing? But it's it's always adorable when they waste them. So, just quick tangent. Yeah. I didn't have a column from, like, 93 to 97. Maybe 92 tonight. I graduated college 92. Yeah, five, five years I didn't have a column. My my number one non-Boston argument to get into at bars or with my friends, anything, was Emmett Smith versus Barry Sanders. Mm. I loved Emmett Smith. I was I just didn't understand how it was an argument. 
Barry Sanders to me was the key, the king of the 75 yard run <laughs> and then getting stuff for two yards on the next 25 runs. I'm like, I just give me the guy who runs for four yards every time and occasionally breaks the 20 yarder. Totally. And also, what was the game against the Niners? He, the separated shoulder, he rushed for like 130 yards. I think it was the, the Giants. Or the Giants, yeah. John yeah, Madden it was a came game. down to the locker room and said, that's the bravest thing I've ever seen after the game. An amazing was moment. unbelievable. And he's he's a victim of how bad he was on TV afterwards. Whereas like Barkley's the flip <laughs> side of it. Barkley was so good on TV after that it's kind of elevated where he was as a player, where it was really like, you know, Barker's one of the 20 best players ever, but it's kept him relevant as how great he was. Whereas Emmett, it's gone the opposite way. Yeah. We, and we, I think yeah. Emmett's just people don't even think about him anymore. They really both suffered too when they retired because yeah. everybody remembered Barry for the 97 yard, you know, yep. amazing run and, and going outside. And, and video games. And they, they sort of falsely remembered Emmett as, oh, he just got four yards a carry and just played forever. Yeah. Like they kind of Hank Aaron. And ended up they on Hank the Cardinals. Aaron, they Hank Aaron him at the end, yeah. which was also unfair to Hank, by the way, right? Right. They were like, oh, you know, he was just like this guy who had a great offensive line. He felt, ran five yards and fell down. No, no, that's not what Emmett Smith was at all. No. And the, the way he made people miss inside the tackles was incredible. You're right, though. It's like an underrated sports argument of the 90s. People forget about I that. I think it was that, the number one argument. And every year they people exchange really rushing titles. Yeah. You know, Barry got hurt one year, and then he was way ahead, and then he got hurt, and Emmett won. It was it was a, it was a nice little argument. And the other part that helped Barry was video games really took off. Super Tecmo, which we actually wrote about in the Ringer this week, was I think ninety two. But then Madden kind of kicked in somewhere in ninety four, ninety five, ninety six range. And Sanders was a god, and he was one of the first gods. Emmett was great in Madden, but it wasn't like he wanted to be Barry Sanders. And I think that really helped Barry Sanders. There was a mystique with Barry Sanders. Yeah. I don't ever remember being Emmett in a video game. He wouldn't, wouldn't have been that exciting. And I was the biggest fan there was. Right. So yeah, that was one. I'm trying to think what, what were the other great pre-internet basketball arguments? I guess like Jordan versus Wilt was huge for years. I remember. Yeah, that was a good one. Carl Malone. It was like sports radio, early 90s sports radio. You'd get that like once a week. Carl Malone won the MVP over Jordan right before the internet started going. That's one that would have. There's no way he wins the MVP if the internet is rounded into shape. Yeah. And is at the right level. That's funny, There's just right? no way. We blocked that. <laughs> the true squad would have been like, no. 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 I wrote about it in my book. It, it started with like this Jackie McMullen Sports Illustrated piece in March it just got momentum and I didn't have a column and I'm like wait a second are we not going to vote for Michael Jordan for the MVP he's going to win 69 games what's happening he's the best player and then he just laid the smack down in the finals when an SI piece could move the world like that yeah it was that was probably the last one or one of the last ones that the internet kind of took over to tie it to the Cowboys it was a Tony Romo cover story a couple years ago though that I think really turned people on Romo in a good way Hmm. you know right before it was I think 2014 right before you had that really his last did you agree season yeah, that's well. It's true. 2014 was his God. last good season. Did you think he did the right thing with the press conference? I don't know if he did the right thing. He did what I thought was an, a wildly magnanimous thing. Yeah, it was our it was our second peaceful transfer of power this week. Somebody people put <laughs> it out on Twitter, right? <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Obama to Trump and uh, and uh, Tony to Dak. It's funny. So here's the thing about Roma. Remember that comment years ago when he lost the playoff game, and he said, "It's not the worst thing that's ever going to happen in my life." Yeah. After the game. And Everybody people just, they killed him. And it was totally unfair because, of course, the sports writer's wrong and Tony Romo is right. He's going to have a long, interesting life, we hope. And football yeah. games will not be the be all end all, right? But 
Peyton Manning never would have said that. And Tom Brady never would have said that. And it tells you something about the way football is situated in Tony Romo's life. And I don't believe Peyton would have given that statement, right? They and were Brett Favre. They would have raged against it and they would have gone to another team. And I, I think there's a Peter King said this this week. I think there's a scenario where Tony just, re, you know, is, is just maybe retires even, you know, like he's just football to him. And I don't say this critically. I say this as I admire him as a human for this football to him. I don't think is in the same place it is with a lot of top tier quarterbacks. Well, he also has the security blanket of making eight million dollars a year on TV. Immediately. Absolutely. As soon as he Which you cannot it. underestimate. They, yeah. they, the, any network takes him right now and it's his pick of jobs. It's like, do you want to be our number one game analyst? Do you want to do studio once a week? What do you want to do? You tell us. Here's a big fat check. Yeah. And that's, I'm sure he's got to be thinking like physically he's, you know, he's fucked up. He's got a herniated disc that has allegedly healed. I don't think those things ever heal. No. I think they get better and more manageable. I don't think they heal. And if he'd been the only guy there with the Cowboys, in a way, it's a relief that you can walk away and say, oh, Dak's got this, right? Yeah. If you were the only one there, you'd kind of have to keep coming back, right? Because you'd be letting your teammates down. We, so Sal and Jimmy are friends with him, and we hung out in January, and I never spent any time with him, and he was as good of a, as good of a hang as you'd think, and it was just really fun to hang out with and talk football with. But he was so... He was so bummed out that he had gotten hurt the previous season because he really felt like that was a good team, and he was just like, "That that was my that might have been my chance to win a Super Bowl," and it and it went up in smoke, and it was genuine. Like it, he wasn't like, "Ah, oh, it would have been fun to go." He was just like, "I think about it every day." That was like, if I hadn't gotten hurt, I think we win. Wow, I think we get there. So now you have this team is even better chance. <laughs> And I don't know, man, it's got, it's, it's just, there's no way for us to understand what that feeling's like. No. And that, and that argues against what I'm saying a little bit, but I think he's, yeah, there's no, I mean, I think you do feel like you let everybody down in a way. Yeah. I'm sure he feels like that. He didn't, didn't do anything wrong, but I'm sure he feels like that. Do we want to get into conspiracy Curtis here about the way the Please, Cowboys you, felt about You know, I love conspiracies. Oh, there's conspiracy at bill. All times. Conspiracy bills, illegitimate. Uh, <laughs> conspiracy Curtis. His, his ba- uncle bastard, from Texas. His bastard his son. Yeah. yeah. Um, are we sure? Are we absolutely sure the Cowboys locker room loved Tony Romo pre-DAC? Oh. Or are we sure that they were really close to Tony Romo? Is it weird when Troy Aikman goes on broadcast like he did this week and says, you know, I'd be real careful about taking Dak Prescott out of the lineup. I'd be real careful about that. Wink, wink, wink. Yeah, Troy Aikman, who never really says anything that controversial. He feels like he knows something. Ed Werder had a report. He definitely, Troy Aikman knows everything. He, he He's knows wired everything. in. Ed Werder had this report, uh, you know, it said there might be a revolt in the locker room if, if they took Dak out. And this is, of course, before the Steelers game when this was still an idea. Of course, you wouldn't do it now. Um, I just wonder... You know, and there's a couple good reasons for this. Tony is a lot older than almost yeah. everybody in that locker room now. He's like about 10 years older, right? He's new quarterback comes in. He spreads the ball around in a different way. So he makes Cole Beasley is suddenly a big star. Yeah. He wasn't a big star. He dropped balls all over the place. He loves Dak Prescott. Yeah. I don't think Tony Romo trusts him. So, yeah, there's like this kind of thing. But I just wonder, uh, you haven't seen an up. No, where's the guy who goes and says, you know what? Tony Romo was the face of this franchise for 10 years. This guy was our guy. Who's pounding on the table for that? I just, ha- it's been kind of interesting how you haven't really seen it. And again, I'm not saying there was like some, they hated him or anything like that. I just wonder how close he was to those guys the last couple of years. This is something Collinsworth mentioned 
when we did the podcast this week about Aaron Rodgers and how he's like 10 years older than the guys he's playing with at receiver and he makes way more money than them. And I think the Romo thing's an even better example because he goes on vacation with the coach every year. Yeah. He makes a ton of money. He's 10, 12 years older than Cole Beasley and Ezekiel Elliott and these guys. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe maybe they feel like Dak's more there. This happened with Brady and Bledsoe to some degree. Brady was like the young guy who was, you know, he made friends with all the offensive linemen. And he totally. was going out in Boston. And, you know, I do think that that counts. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of those things we're going to find out after when Tony plays the Broncos next year. It's yeah. going to be a classic sports writing. We love these. The now they tell us, you know. Oh my! It's going to be Oklahoma a great City was the master. Yeah. yeah, but you know, you know, he really wasn't this close to the team the last couple. Oh, well, now you tell us. Yeah, hey, Durant yeah. and Westbrook—they're not—they're not friends at all. No. It's like, wait, a, wait a minute. Wait, why do you think? Yeah, I mean, you're you're probably my number one sports media whisperer. <laughs> I don't want to say expert. It's belittles your your feel for this whisperer stuff. Whisperer is good. Okay. Whisperer is yeah. good. Why do you think these guys are so afraid to spill the dirt until after they leave? Is it just they don't want to run into the person? They There's less repercussions if it's after the person leaves? I think that's part of it. I also think fans don't really want to read it yet. Mm. You know? There's this funny thing where when everything's going well, fans will tell the sports writer, can't you just enjoy it? Can't you just let us enjoy it? Right? right. And as soon as things go upside down... Then they totally, they go to the same sports writer and go, why aren't you doing your job? Why aren't you asking the follow-up questions at the press conference? It's just like they want some a totally different product. Yeah. And I do believe whether it's Oklahoma City, whether it's Dallas, wherever, they like, when soon as that guy leaves, they, they actually want the nasty, you know, they want the, the nasty stuff. That's what they crave, right? They don't want, oh, he was a great teammate the whole time he was here. We just love him, hate that he left. I always respected Michael Holly, who covered the Celtics during one of the first Patino years. For the Boston Globe, he was young, pretty much the same age as the guys he was covering, and really had good sources. And it was like Antoine was on that team, and Ron Mercer, and Bruce Bowen, all these guys. And he wrote this piece, and Patino was still there. All these guys were still there, and he wrote this piece, like a behind the scenes, the season, how the how it was basically about why the players kind of quit on Patino this season, with all these inside anecdotes. And it's the kind of piece that now when they get when they get written, it's after Patino gets fired. Right. This was written when he was still there, <laughs> and Michael Holly had to see him like a week later, and it was like, I, I wonder if that air is kind of over. Yeah, you still see him every once in a while. Well, Some now of- you see him like like that weird piece that that ran about the Warriors and Draymond, which which I don't I didn't totally understand. Yeah, you'll see that. Well, you'll see the you'll see the occasional anvil drop, right? Yeah, and it almost seems when it happens, it almost seems like the reporter's going, I don't have the same connections anymore. <laughs> I, I, might as, I might as well. I was saving this for later, but now I've lost this guy, this guy. I'm not saying that happened with the Warriors piece, but I always feel like there's always an extra reason for it. Right. This is the puzzle of insiderdom, right? We don't know. You yeah, know? we never know. We don't know where we, we think we know, but the connection is so deep. And, you know, the guy, the reporter is saying, well, Here's my move. I'm only going to write this kind of piece about this guy. Right. But if this guy hates that guy, maybe I'll write a different piece about that guy. And it's all very hard to sort of puzzle out. You need to be like a Kremlinologist to understand. Well, a lot of times the franchises butter up the younger reporters. I don't think there's any question. Yeah. Well, and it depends on the franchise. Yeah, yeah. I think NBA, NBA seems pretty bleak. True. You know, true. NBA's gotten NBA's gotten bad, I think. 
Yeah, that's a whole other. We should we should devote another podcast to that. But yeah, it doesn't sense anybody gets buttered up anymore. I guess it's the younger guys, right? Or maybe it's the blogger, you know, who's kind of like he doesn't want to. You know, he's doing a little bit different thing than the columnist, right? He wants to understand the team. He wants to kind of talk about what they're doing. I don't know if the access is nearly the same as it was even ten years ago, much less twenty years ago, where it's like. Even if you're hanging around, like, let's say you're hanging around OKC right now. It's not like you can go up to Russ at his locker and get 15 minutes in private, just you and him. No, it's, it's, it's that's good. That air is gone. The big, the big people do. Right. I was in the Lakers yes. locker room the other day, just kind of hanging around and, um, you know, everybody does the scrum, right? We get, yeah. we get to, it was, it was after the Warriors game, we get to rant and we get to, you know, a few minutes with Steph Curry and then, every, and then they're kind of shooing everybody out of the locker room. You look behind you and Ramona is with. Durant and yeah. Jay Adande is with Draymond, right? And good for them, by the way. I don't, I'm not saying that. I mean, that's that's great. I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm they I'm earned envi- it. I'm envious, but that's what it is. And they're kind of having the private private chat, right? But everybody else is going out. Ramona is the best I've ever seen at it. Uh, yeah, I mean, she she's just, so good at it. She the way she uh, she collected really good sources over the last six years was awesome. I feel that there's that reporter too that you just see. Every, you look around like, what are they doing here? My best experience of this ever is like a magazine once sent me to go to Phil Simms's house in New Jersey. Yeah, to do like a little X's and O's thing, very harmless little piece. I get I thought, that's kind of fun. I'm not a Phil Simms fan, but that's kind of fun. I walk as a player. I mean, I walk into his house. I get into his living room, and Peter King was sitting there. It's like Peter King scooped me. He lived there. <laughs> I didn't even know this was a competition. Yeah, like Peter King was on the couch, literally. And I said, "What? What are you doing here?" It's like I live here. What are you talking <laughs> it's about? This is everywhere, right? This is one of one of my locations. <laughs> we uh, we unfortunately have to go. But let's let's continue this another time because be I, I think to, talking about uh, NBA media access, we should just do a whole podcast and call a couple people and get thoughts on things. There we go. Uh, thanks to stamps.com. Stop relying on the post office. Just buy and print official U.S. postage using your own computer and printer. Sign up for stamps.com. Use promo code BS for a four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer. That includes postage and digital scale. Go to stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in BS. Thanks to Proper Cloth. Stop wearing shirts that don't fit. Start wearing custom shirts that fit perfectly because you created them. By answering just 10 easy questions, go to propercloth.com slash BS. Enter code Gift code BS to save $20 on your first shirt. Uh, thanks to Callaway. Thanks to Joe House. Thanks to Mike Lombardi. Thanks to Brian Curtis. And uh, and thanks to TheRinger.com. Check out The Ringer Podcast Network. Do you have any pieces coming up? Uh, I got a few. All right. Any? I don't want to jinx it. Oh, yeah. You don't? Yeah, no, no yeah, teases. Yeah, I don't want to. All right. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite Ringer piece you've written so far? Um, Joe Buck was fun. Yeah, you got in early on the Joe Buck. Yeah. Joe, Joe Buck's done a lot of media since. We got Listen, like the first dab. I, I missed a few revelations. Yeah. <laughs> I got most of those stories. You, you didn't know he had seven left. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, that but was I'd squeeze one. that orange dry. All right. Brian Curtis, thank you. Tate, thank you. And uh, we'll be back on Monday. And check out the last two. We did two other podcasts this week, so check those out too. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you. Thank you.